And ladies and gentlemen, welcome everybody to the Cliff Notes Podcast. I am your host, Clifton Grooms, on the way back from Liberty North High School for Class 4 sectionals as the city goes one for two on the evening as the Bitten Girls advance and the Lafayette boys fall in Class 4 sectionals tonight. Let's talk about the first game that was on tap for the evening, the Bitten Girls were the host team on the scoreboard tonight, hosting Odessa at Liberty North. In the first quarter, Avery Morlock, the freshman, got off to a quick start with four. With a, She scored two of the first three baskets there for Benton, but then Kelsey Johnson just continuing where she left off over the past couple games. She's just really been playing well ever since this district. Ever since the district, she's just been playing extremely well. And um, Benton was able to use... Um, a couple players, Lauren Burright and Peyton Anderson included, to take a 14-5 lead at the end of one. Um, Tommy Rezach from KFEQ Radio. You might recognize his voice of the voice of the Griffins. He is my guest here. And, um, Tommy, um, just your uh, your thoughts on this first quarter for the Benton girls. Well, yeah, first off, I'm glad I can uh, be able to get out to some of these postseason high school games as well because, obviously, you know, the Griffins have been – playing in their own postseason we will uh this friday which is exciting but no always enjoy uh, covering these games and yeah i mean benton uh it's a really good story this year you know i mean obviously last year they were kind of the breakthrough underdogs i think they were the four seed in that district bracket when they upset maryville in their place and made it all the way to the final four and i think with uh the bulk of that roster back minus kiana herrera of course who went to leblonde i think with the bulk of that roster back the expectations were high for them to uh you know build on what they did last year and you know, get back to that point, and now they're one game away from the Final Four, and yeah, you mentioned it, Kelsey Johnson, I mean, she fills the stats every game, another 20 points uh, tonight against Odessa, I thought Jada Cox played well, I believe she had 12 points, a couple of big three-pointers, including a three to open the scoring in the second half, that really kind of set the tone for Benton, as uh, I think you were mentioning there, Clifton, in your recap, that Odessa made their push in the second quarter, and then you know, Benton pushed right back, led 28-18 at the half and never looked back. So, no, I mean, you know, Chris Michaels is as uh, energetic of a coach as you'll find in this state. And um, he's obviously a Benton alum, so he knows what it means. And he remembers watching Brett Goodwin's team win state in 2016. So, yeah, I mean, it's a it's it's a team that, you know, everyone seems to know their assignment. Uh, Lauren Burride came up big tonight, I thought, with eight points. And, uh, yeah, I mean, Benton just played like the more disciplined, more determined team, I thought, throughout much of that game. Even when Odessa went on that run, Chris Michaels calls timeout, and, you know, uh, you know, Benton was in control the whole time. I mean, the most impressive thing, Cliffy, I think, is that Odessa didn't make a field goal the second half. So, you know, Chris Michaels' formula, it's not that hard to figure out. You know, he just presses and presses and able to force turnovers, and Benton's able usually to turn those turnovers into points the other way. Well, um... Well, that's a uh, that was that was. Thank you so much for the recap there, Tommy. And um, in the second quarter, as Tommy mentioned, there um, it was a 19 to 16 game. Well, Bitten still had the lead, but Odessa was finding their way back into the game. And um, Chris Michaels calls timeout. After that, the game just flipped a complete 180. Bitten um, 40 to 13. They outscored Odessa the rest of the game after that timeout in the second quarter. And I believe that. Actually, Benton held Odessa without a field goal they in the did. second half. They did, yep. So, this Cardinal defense, they're absolutely dangerous, not only on the offensive end, but the defensive end, too. They, they're they just on a roll right now. They ended up um, winning the game tonight by 59, the finals. 59-29. Uh, 59-23. 59-25? 29. 59-53-20. 
Fifty-nine twenty-nine. There you go. I just wanted to save you the work of flipping through your notes. Flipping through my notes there. We're, we're doing this live here on the road. Here, 59-29 was the final score. Bitten Girls roll. Uh, they will be in a matchup on Saturday against fellow MEC rival St. Pius X at 1 o'clock at the Cable Dahmer Arena in Independence. Um, we do have some sound actually to go through for this game, or we're going to kick that off by hearing from the head coach of the Benton Lady Cardinals, Chris Michaels. I guess feelings making it back to another quarterfinal for a second year in a row. Kind of. Well, I mean, here's the deal. We're happy with where we're at, right? Like, obviously, this is where you want to be. This is as far as you can go, and so we've gone as far as we can so far, and we want to win one more. Um, we always talk about earn one more game, but obviously a win on Saturday will give us two. And so we told our girls we felt like we played really hard tonight, but – there were some things that was not, was not us, right, not been basketball. And so we kind of told them we, we got the result that we wanted. We wanted to win. But, boy, we, we kind of took some back roads to get here. And so we kind of talked to them about not taking those same back roads and let's just take the straight road there on Saturday. Yeah, in the second quarter they uh, cut it to three, and it, it was looking like they were on a bit of a run, and then he called timeout. And ever since then, I think it was a 36-13 run. What happened there? What you talking about? I mean, here's the deal. The, the problem is for it with Huddle is that the girls see all the same film we see. And so we get 10, 11, 12 films on some teams, right? So all they do all day yesterday during a snowbird day is watch film. And when you watch a lot, a lot, a lot of film and you see teams that maybe you've played and beaten and, and that team loses to them, in your mind you start to think that it's going to get easy. And so we felt like in the second we thought it was going to be easy and nothing's going to be easy the rest of the road. Eventually we'll figure that out and I won't have to call the timeout and, and get into them a little bit to fire them up. We'll just fire ourselves up. You held them without a main field goal in the second half. I know they had some foul trouble and stuff, but just defensively, how do you like the response? I mean, the I, I mean, that's that's how we want to play every second of every game, right? Now we fouled way too much, and that's the, oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> we fouled way too much, and that's going to be the talk tomorrow at practice: is move your feet and play nice and keep your hands to yourself. But boy, to hold a team to not score in a field goal—that's a big deal. And so we did what we wanted to do. We came out on top, and we felt like we proved that we're one of the better teams in the state. Offensively, Kelsey again tonight, but what do you see offensively from this group that stood out to you? I mean, here's where we, we got into a problem in the first quarter of jacking up threes. And I think we hit two in the first half, but we were probably two for 15, right? And so then we tell them, here's the problem with jacking up threes. Everything starts to extend, and now you got a hand in your face. We have really good posts. We have really good guards that play the post. And we, we didn't look at them in the first half. But in the second, now we're looking at the post. And now Kelsey's getting her points and Lauren's getting her points. And now the kick out comes. And now Jada's hitting threes and Peyton's hitting threes and KJ's hitting threes. And now we're really, really hard to defend. We can't make our game one-sided. We can't just shoot a bunch of threes and hope that they fall. We have to make a two-sided game where you have to defend the post and defend us at the three-point line. And thank you so much, Coach Chris Michaels, as always, for joining the podcast. Benton, once again, advancing to the Class 4 quarterfinals. We also have sound from a couple of Benton Lady Cardinal players. We're going to kick that off by talking with senior Lauren Burwright, and then you're going to hear from senior Jada Cox after that. Here's our sound with those two Benton Lady Cardinals. Just putting you guys itself uh, back within uh, one game of getting to the Final Four, I guess. Um, I mean, we're pretty excited, but we still got one more to go, so we got to focus on what's ahead of us. And we do have things we got to fix, so we got to get back in the gym, work on those things, just keep looking forward. They got tight there in the second quarter, uh, got three, uh, and then Coach calls the timeout. What's he saying to you guys in there? Because obviously we're 
really he's just telling us we need to fix it and our effort wasn't where we needed to be and once we came out in the second half our intensity picked up that's when the game really started to come back for us. It seemed like fouls were maybe mountain for you guys the first half. Second half, it was almost the opposite. You guys kind of stayed out of that and forced them into turnovers. Held them without a made field goal the second half. Just overall, do you feel like the team came together toward the latter part? I really feel like our talk in the locker room at halftime really helped us pick all that stuff up. And again, just our intensity and adjusting to what the refs are calling, that kind of stuff is how we can adjust our game throughout, too. Your offense tonight, what do you feel like you guys were able to do well with the offense? I felt like we shared the ball really well tonight. We looked to get each other open like we always try to do that. And also just rebounding and our second chance points, we really try to focus on that as well. Can you just touch on how you guys felt you uh, were able to take that game over as uh, the whole second half and they're late in the second quarter? Yeah, it was a great feeling, especially coming out in the game. We, everyone knows we didn't start too hot. Coaches know, we know, everyone knows. But just knowing that coming back into the game, not, with, not having a – not so great start and just being able to roll over and especially winning a sectional game with a 30 point lead it's just not something that easy that can be done. Okay, so ever since the district started you guys have really been pounding in the post part. I'm um, kind of getting more multifaceted offensively just kind of talk about uh, you know what you guys have been doing in the evolution of the offense. Yeah we have a mentality and it's just earn one more game and we've had that since last year. Uh, coming back into the postseason returning from the final four last year just earning one more game is what everyone has in their head and knowing that each game could be our last. I think you hit that three right away to start the second half and your team kind of just rolled from there. I know it was a multi-player effort, but just for you to hit that shot, get your team going, how good did that feel? Yeah, all my teammates rely on me and me, Kelsey, Peyton, all of us can shoot at any point, any day. So just knowing that all of us can knock down the shot for our team is just a great feeling, knowing that they have confidence in you at any time. Being a senior, how does uh, how does this playoff run feel different to you? I mean, I know it's just getting started. Yeah. Kind of what's your mentality that it's, you're making? It's really West? different and in a great feeling in some ways and just really sad in the others. But knowing that we're trying to make this big, long season, make it even farther this year and not even just end at fourth place at state, but win a state championship this year just changes everyone's mentality and makes us want to earn every single day of practice that we can get. Yeah, we got to calm down with the ball, especially tonight. We knew that we had to do that too. Just looking back at last year, just knowing that turnovers lose us games and that free throws win us games. You're talking about the slow start tonight. Is that something you had the force of mentality, or what do you feel like that comes from? Yeah, normally that's not us. Our press has been something huge that we've added this year and changed since last year. So I think just coming into practice, knowing that that's something that we have to fix and that's something that's going to change our game later when we need it. And thank you so much, ladies, for joining the podcast once again. Bitten victorious over Odessa tonight, 59-29. They will go on to play St. Pius X at 1 o'clock in Independence. Benton was led in scoring tonight by Kelsey Johnson with 20 points. Jada Cox also had 12. That was the double-digit scoring for Benton. Lauren Burwright, the senior, also added eight points on the night for the Cardinals. For the boys game, we had Richmond and Lafayette, a rematch of a of a mid-February regular season matchup where the Fighting Irish took ended up taking that one. And um, Lafayette kind of fell a little bit by, behind the eight ball before the tip-off even started. A technical foul was assessed 
for wearing the wrong uniform. So Lafayette came to the game tonight. If you didn't see any photos or any highlights of the game, Lafayette was supposed to wear white during the game as the home team, but instead they showed up in green, which is the away team. And uh, technically you are supposed to wear the right uniform in according to Misha rules. So Richmond got to shoot a free throw at the very beginning of the game before even tip-off was even started, which was a one nothing Richmond lead. Then Richmond made a three-pointer to go up 4 nothing before Lafayette even got a possession. But then after that, Lafayette was able to go on a 7 nothing run to take a 7-4 lead. And then Richmond went on a run of their own, a 10 nothing run to go up 14-7. Lafayette would then claw back at the end of the quarter to only go down at the in the first 18 to 10, um, Mr. Rezoc, just um, your thoughts on Lafayette in the first quarter of the ball game? Yeah, it seemed like uh, you know Richmond. You know, it almost seemed like dare I say a bad omen with the the uniform thing. I know you know I'm I'm not very superstitious or anything like that. But yeah, you mentioned you know just a, there's a hitch in your giddy up right out of the get right out of the gate right there with the uniform thing and Richmond capitalized. You know, they go up four uh, nothing right away and. Yeah, it seemed like Lafayette hit back. I believe Camden Bennett had a three-pointer in that uh, that first uh, quarter, and um, you know they you, you mentioned it. They fought. They made it eighteen to ten, and then uh, at, at its height, Richmond went up twenty-seven to sixteen, and then it was a seven to one run for Lafayette to end the second quarter. So I'll let you talk more about the second half. But yeah, the second quarter, you know, Benton, uh, excuse me, Lafayette. We're on to Lafayette now. In the second quarter, uh, Lafayette, I thought, you know, hit back, made some big shots. I thought, you know, Sam Ryan had a couple big bus- buckets. Uh, Drake Davison was big all night, once again, for Lafayette. And, uh, yeah, you know, they got behind early, but they certainly clawed their way back. And as you'll tell your listeners in the second half that, uh, you know, Lafayette made it interesting, you know, after getting down by as many as 11. But, uh, yeah, certainly you could argue a slow start may have hampered Lafayette from the get-go. Yeah, but in the second quarter there, um, Lafayette did go down 27-16. to 16. Ended up calling back with that run to go down in the locker room. I believe it was 28 to 23. They were down at the half. But then the third quarter, Lafayette may, went on a run of their own. They came out in the, in the third quarter, just real energized them. I could just see the intensity on the defensive end compared to the first half. Just more intensity, getting physical inside with Richmond's big guys. One of them was their um, starting quarterback, Keyshawn Elliott was one of those guys they were getting physical with. And this Lafayette just, just came out with a lot more energy. Irish went into the um, end of the third quarter. They were they were up by um, 34 to 35-34. They were up at the end of three. There, as um, Tommy mentioned, uh, Sam Ryan made a couple baskets there. Drake Davison was huge tonight. We'll talk about his stat line more as we get into these um, highlights of the fourth quarter. Richmond just went on, Richmond went on a run in the fourth. Um, they forced some critical Lafayette. They forced some critical Lafayette turnovers. They made some very critical shots. Um, I think uh, Wolf um, got to look on the roster to see what his um, his first name was. But I tell you what, Spencer Wolf, yeah. he was big tonight. Made a couple three pointers. Made a couple two pointers. Um, he he was just uh, big with his jumper tonight. Richmond went on a Went, went to take, I think they took about a five-point lead into the end of the fourth quarter. Um, Lafayette had an opportunity to cut. They cut it within like three in the in the in the final quarter. Um, missed free throws, I thought, really were was a big deal tonight for Lafayette. Um, missing um, some key shots on the charity stripe tonight. I think they had about 
How many uh, how many free throws do you think they probably missed tonight, Tommy? Well, I was keeping track. I believe it was nine uh, at the end of all things. I mean, both teams missed free throws in the fourth quarter. I want to say Richmond missed uh, four th- free throws in the fourth quarter alone. So, yeah, both teams had a chance to either put it away or get back in it at the foul line, and that wasn't happening. And, you know, and there were, you know, I know there were some calls in that game, particularly in the second half, that weren't especially popular, but you're going to get that in any game, let alone a postseason game. Um, but yeah, and, but both teams were in the bonus at the end, so I mean they were at least you know trying to call fouls on both teams. Um, but then I, I would say turnovers too. You know I think that was uh, something hampered Lafayette in the first half. That number I don't have, but it seemed like Richmond was getting after loose balls pretty well, turning those into points in the first half. And then third quarter seemed to have gone away between the second and third quarter. Cliffy Lafayette went on a 15 to three run. Irish led it 35 32. But that's the biggest lead Lafayette would amass all night. That, that's the thing. You know, Richmond they had a storm. They weathered the run. They, you know, kind of absorbed a run by Lafayette. But Richmond never let the Irish out of their sights. It was a one-possession game throughout that whole third quarter. And then Richmond had a run of 12-2 in the fourth quarter to uh, retake their lead. And, um, and, again, you know, you credit Lafayette. It was Camden Bennett. I would mentioned his name already. He had a big three with a minute 12 to go. That made it 49-46 Richmond. And at that point, you're thinking, yeah, anything can happen at this point. But, uh, again, you mentioned some missed free throws on both ends. But, again, Richmond was, you know, just in the right place at the right time. You know, up three, up four, up five in the closing seconds. And, uh, you know, Lafayette, you know, fouled the preserved time. They gave themselves a chance even in those final 30 seconds. But, you know, hats off to Richmond. You know, they're 22-5 and five now. Um, they had a lot of – I thought there were some mismatches underneath. Their, I don't have their roster in front of me, but their big man, number three – uh, you know, he had, I think, 10 or 12 points all in the paint. You know, he, he played really well. Um, that's a really well-rounded team there in Richmond. You mentioned, you know, how athletic their football program is. Um, head coached by a guy who has East Buchanan ties. And so, you know, yeah, I mean, there's there's no shame in it. I know Lafayette's hurting after that one, and, you know, rightfully so. I mean, you think about how jubilant, you know, the north side was on Friday after beating Benton in that uh, district title in overtime. But Cliffy, as we'll hear in the uh, the interviews that we that we got, and as you'll hear from Kevin Bristol, I think you just got to, you know, if you're Lafayette, chin held high, you know what I mean? I mean, they win a district title uh, again. You know, that's like the fourth one since 2016, I want to say. Uh, seventh one since 2013, I know. And, um, you know, they beat able to beat Benton after losing to the Cardinals in February. Beat some really good teams. You know, they played in that holiday tournament uh, end of December. They were playing some of the best of the best from both the state of Missouri and Arkansas. So, you know, they, I know K, Coach KB likes to schedule really hard. And the uh, thing is, you know, you got two of your leading scorers and Mikey Thomas and Campton Bennett coming back next year. I thought George Calloway really showed some things, especially late in the year. So uh, I know KB's optimistic about the future. And I know these, these seniors, we talked with Drake Davison and Sam Ryan, you know, I know they're they're thankful, you know, for what they were able to do. I mean, Lafayette's still a really good basketball program. You know, they have a pretty rich history. I know they're trying to, you know, get back to the top. You know, they haven't been to that state title game since 2016. Um, but I think they're there. You know, KB just wrapped up, what, his fourth season, I want to say, and he's won three district titles just since he's been the head coach. So, um, yeah, you know, it's not the way they wanted to end. You felt like Lafayette certainly, you know, took a step forward as opposed to last year when they lost in district semis to Kearney. But, you know, chin held, chin held high. You know, Richmond's a good team. Hats off to them. Lafayette's good, too. Uh, fine season, fine career for those seniors. And uh, I think you'll see the Irish uh, making deep runs of the postseason for a few years, for many years to come. Absolutely. So Richmond ended up winning the game tonight. 52-48 to 48 was the final score. Unlike, like Tommy said, it was just an unfortunate ending for Lafayette. Um, 
I, uh, what what a what a program this is. And um, we talked about Coach Bristol, his four years on, um, even Chris Neff, even before before Coach KB, um, really took this program. His Coach Neff's first year won a district title, and he, he really started this. And then Coach Bristol was able to carry this over. Um, Coach Neff obviously doing great things now with Staley, who's the number one basketball team right now in Class 6, and they're making a playoff run of their own. So hats off to Lafayette. Hats off to those seniors. Um, Camden Bennett, Mikey Thomas, you know, you're going to see a lot of those guys. You're going to hear a lot from those guys next year, not only on my podcast, but on Tommy's. And also you're going to hear their voices and their stats and just their highlights just a lot more next year. So, um, Again, one for two tonight in the city. Tonight, Bitten Bitten girls move on. Lafayette boys fall. Um, Central girls um, will be playing on Saturday night at Cable Dahmer Arena, same place as Bitten girls. That's a 6 o'clock start against um, state-ranked Blue Springs South. That that should be a really good matchup there, tough matchup for the Indians. I feel like they're going to have to play well in order to win that game on Saturday night for a chance to advance to the final four. That will do it for our high school recap. I know, um, Tommy, I've been wanting to talk to you. You got a big week. You got a big Friday coming up in Hayes. Um, yeah. We recapped the um, – the on Sunday night show, we recapped the um, the regional brackets for both the women's and the men's. Uh, the Missouri Western women, the seventh seed in, re- in central region for the women, are going to be taking on, um, I think it's southwest Oklahoma. Yeah. Right. I got yeah. that right. Oh, thank you. Thank you to the Lord for great memory <laughs> there. But um, – Southwest Oklahoma, Missouri Western in Hayes. Um, 2.30 start. Um, Tommy, just um, talk about this run that um, Missouri – just your thoughts on this, the run this Missouri Western's on, and um, talk about the game on Friday. Yeah, let's see. Uh, Friday – yeah, okay, this coming Friday, yeah. So, obviously, you know, the season's been a good one. You know, uh, Candy Whitaker's led them to 20-plus win seasons in two of her uh, last three years. You know – if Ronnie Russell didn't lead Missouri Southern to a 17-game win streak, I think Candy Whitaker would have been your coach of the year in the MIAA. But don't want to take anything away from Ron Russell, from Lacey Stokes, Missouri Southern. I mean, they deserved all the accolades and hats off to Fort Hays State for, you know, beating them in the tournament championship. Obviously a really good game. And Molso and Hayes, Nebraska Kearney, and Missouri Western. MIAA is a four-team uh, league in the NCAA tournament. Not a lot of not a lot of conferences, particularly in Division II, can say that they're a uh, four-bid league you know and the MIAA can say that and rightfully so I mean this league's been uh, so good uh, all year and uh, no I think it was the win uh, last Friday this past Friday Missouri Western had where they kind of ended up dominating Central Missouri who's a really good team UCM was number nine in the central region when the week began last week and Western had a huge third quarter won that one 69-55 and when we signed off the air on KFEQ Friday I remember saying and talking with assistant coach Emily Wacker that yeah, you know, we feel optimistic. You know, we feel like that's the win that we likely needed. You know, you never know until you know. You know, you have to see how the Great American Conference shakes out. You have to see how the GLVC shakes out as they're part of the Central Region 2 along with the NSIC. Um, but there were no real, you know, major upsets. You know, a Southwest was – Southwest Oklahoma State was the, the favorite uh, to win the uh, GAC uh, tournament championship, and they did. Uh, Southwest comes in, you know, pretty red hot, and we can talk about that if you want. But uh, – yeah, you know, this season in general, um, you know, it, what a turnaround. You know, they won six games last year. They're 21-9 this year. The thing that's maybe a little bit deceiving here, Clifton, is you look at Missouri Western's last four games. They're 1-3. and three. Well, look at who they played. Nebraska Kearney, who's in the tournament. Uh, Fort Hays State, 
who the Griffins lost to in Hayes in overtime two weeks ago. Four-day State's the number one seed in the Central Region and MIAA tournament and regular season co-champions. And then the other two losses in that time to Missouri Southern. Molso, a team that won 17 straight going into Sunday. Molso was the number one seed in the MIAA tournament. Molso has the MIAA Coach of the Year and the Player of the Year in freshman Lacey Stokes. So they played the best of the best in the last four games. And then, you know, they played UCM, who's a 19-win program, who's coached by Dave Slifer, who was in the Final Four at this time a year ago. So, yes, you know, Missouri Western, you know, you look at the win-loss record in the last couple weeks, you think, oh, maybe they're slipping. No, Western's playing well. It's just that they've run into some really good teams. And Western, unfortunately, just hasn't been able to quite string together the best, the most complete 40 minutes against those teams sometimes. Cliff, you know, the last three losses Missouri Western's had, they've led at halftime in all three of them. Two of those three losses by single digits, one of them in overtime. And, the, you know, those three losses are all to NCAA tournament teams. So, you know, I think Candy Whitaker said it at the watch party on Sunday when I talked to her after the Griffins were selected. I, you know, I asked her, I said, you know, this run, you think about who you've played. I mean, you've had a gauntlet the last couple of weeks. Does that help you as you prepare for this uh, for this regional and you get to play at a neutral site and everything? And she's pretty optimistic it will. I mean, you watch the film. You know, Missouri Western was up 43-35 at the half on number one seed Missouri Southern this past Saturday. I mean, the Griffins have had some great quarters, some great performances. You know, it's a team that, you know, they've been able to stay healthy all year. You know, they get contributions from people like Connie Clark, Corbin Cunningham, but Jordan Cunningham, you know, Jalen Haggard, Alyssa Bonilla, uh, Camille Evans, I think, has been playing really well the last month or so. You know, it's not a one, you know, it's not a one-trick pony show, the Missouri Western women. I mean, it is truly a team effort all the time. Look at their box scores this year usually have multiple players in double digits you know it's you know Connie Connie and Bree Budges have kind of emerged as the the lead scorers Corbin Cunningham right there too but you know Mary Fultz had double digits against Central Missouri uh last Friday you know uh, you, you never know who's exactly gonna be on, on on what day and so I think you know that's what maybe sets Missouri Western apart is their depth I think that's why they went three and oh against UCM UCM is two of the best players in the country in the conference in Nigel Collier Brook Littrell but their bench really falls off after that. I think Missouri Western's been able to beat a lot of teams this year, given the depth that they have. And because of that, Clifton, you know, Missouri Western was able to avoid an MIAA team in the first round. I give the Griffins, given how good the MIAA is, I give the Griffins any chance against any team in the central region. The Griffins have proved they can go toe-to-toe with Hayes, Carney, and Missouri Southern. So, you know, if, you know, the Griffins have a, you know, the great American conference champion, Southwest Oklahoma is good. But just given the strength of the league and given what we've seen from Western, I give them a great chance to, I think they're a dangerous seven seed in that bracket. I really do. Absolutely. That should be a fun one on um, Saturday uh, or on Friday, Tommy. Um, again, um, you can catch that on KFEQ 680. Um, Tommy, just um, details on pregame and where people can catch that if they want to catch the Griffs on Friday afternoon. Yeah, you know, nothing, you know, nothing too different from our normal uh, setup. You know, it's a half hour pregame. So myself, Danielle Soxie will be on the air at two o'clock. Hayes, Kansas. We were there two weeks ago. Uh, you know, it's a bit of a drive, but it's at least a familiar, you know, it's a conference site. Um, it's a, actually KFEQ's corporate office is in Hayes. So that's kind of a fun coincidence, but uh, yeah, two o'clock pregame, uh, two thirty start time, 680 AM, 953 FM. Online, 680kfeq.com, the free KFEQ uh, mobile app. I know these games are available via video streaming and all that, and that's fine, but I just want to encourage the folks, 
maybe listen to the people who have covered this team all season long and, you know, know these players and, you know, know a bit more about what they're talking about. You know, obviously, South, I don't know that much about Southwest Oklahoma. This is the first meeting between the two programs, so, you know, that'll be interesting. But, uh, you know, if you're looking for best Griffin coverage, I would encourage you to uh, tune into KFEQ on Friday afternoon. And, uh, Cliffy, I think I'm going to pack a few outfits. Like I said, Missouri Western, that's a dangerous seven seed. Uh, you know, hoping we, we get to stick around, Hayes, for a few days. Absolutely. You know those MIAA teams are tough, though. Those MIAA teams have beat up on each other, too, because Southern and, Car- uh, Southern and Hayes split. Uh, Southern beat Car- – uh, Carney beat Hayes. Um, Hayes beat Carney a couple times. Um, Southern beat UNK. Um, Western beat Southern. A uh, matter of fact, um, Western was Southern's last loss before the MIAA championship game back in January. Yep. So, um, you know, these, these, these MIAA teams, I mean, they're pretty battle-tested. I'd probably put the MIAA up against anybody – in this region, and so it would not surprise me if we had four teams in the MIAA in semifinals. It would not surprise me at all. But you can catch the Griffs up two thirty start time, two o'clock pregame with Tommy and Danielle. Catch that up if you uh, if you want to go um, even deeper. You want to do video and audio. You can still watch it on the MIAA network, and you can sync it up with Tommy and Danielle, and you can hear them. You can hear your local Griffins coverage on video. Also, um, speaking of the MIAA network, that 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 the whole region is available. You can catch it if you have a subscription to the MIAA network. You don't have to pay any extra in order to access those games. You just need a subscription to the MIAA, whether it's a yearly or a monthly subscription. Uh, make sure you can you can catch those games via the region. That's Missouri Western women. Northwest, as I mentioned. On sat on Saturday on Sunday night, um, they're going to be in the central region in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and Augustana. They're going to be taking on Minnesota State Moorhead, who's coming off a conference championship of their own. Um, they're um, Northwest is the three seed. Moorhead is the sixth. Um, two other MIAA teams again will be joining Northwest there in the men's regional there in Sioux Falls in Central Oklahoma and Washburn. A lot of people maybe have thought maybe Hayes would would have got in, but. Um, but I think probably the the committee probably felt like with even with all the turmoil that went on in the men's re, in the men's region, I know the women's was a little bit more by the book. Um, the men's was a little was a little whack, and they probably felt like you know Washburn, you know, with some of their wins that they got this year, even though Hayes had a better conference record and a better overall record, a lot of people may have felt that you know Washburn they they own two wins over UCO, they own a win over Northwest, and um, they probably felt like those were quality wins there. And so, you know, you got to look at quality wins when you're lo- looking at the tournament there. But uh, Western Women, 2.30 in Hayes on Friday. Northwest, I think it's noon on um, on Saturday in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Also, don't forget if you're uh, a Bishop LeBlanc fan on Friday, um, they're going to be playing Norwood in Springfield at the JHQ Arena on the campus of the of the University of Missouri State against Norwood. You can check that out on Misha.tv. If you know, they will be doing a going away, a, um, a send-off for them tomorrow, Wednesday. They'll be doing a send-off there for the Bishop LeBlanc boys. You can catch them in Springfield and on Mission TV over the weekend. Again, Benton girls, 1 o'clock in Independence against St. Pius X. Central girls still in, 6 o'clock, Cable Dahmer Arena Independence against Blue Spring South. That's our weekend schedule. That will do it for tonight's post-game show. We will be back on Friday night to recap Missouri Western women and the LeBlanc boys in their respective games. So um, catch us there. Um, we'll run a Central Region preview um, this week. I'm probably going to shift for Thursday 
on that. Um, here's some interviews from my local media there. So um, catch all those. I want to thank um, Tommy Rezach for um, coming on the show and to, um, ride, let me ride along with him to, for the trip to Liberty North. I want to thank um, all the players, uh, Coach Chris Michaels, um, Lauren Burwright, Jada Cox, and Lafayette Coach um, Kevin Bristol for coming on the podcast, joining us for um, post-game interviews. Um, thank you all the supporters. Thank you all for the listeners for the support. And until Friday, take care, everybody.